Uh, we're going to be focusing in the first unit, I guess we can say, the first section we're going to be talking about for the next uh, few weeks is um, the, um, the Reformation and then the Counter-Reformation, uh, which is uh, uh, something that some of you guys know about, some things about. What is the Reformation? John? I say everybody answer at once. Yeah, right? <laughs> Everyone answer all at once. The Reformation. Come on, you guys know some of this. What's the Reformation? There you go. It's where some of the people broke away from the Catholic Church. That's right. <laughs> I knew you knew it. <laughs> um, the, the Reformation is that period... Uh, where it's, it's probably the most famous, in fact, when I was taking, uh, someone had, several people had come to me and told me they wanted to learn about church history, which is why I began putting this together. And, um, and I started, started te- quizzing some people in the congregation, what do you guys know about church history? And the number one answer was Martin Luther, which is we finally got to him. <laughs> All this time, we finally reached him. Uh, so uh, that was, but that was the number one answer. So we're finally going to be. Actually, we're going to spend an entire day uh, on Martin Luther um, because he is just that important of a character. We're going to probably we're going to talk about his life and and how he he affected things. And then we'll talk about Zwingli and Calvin and um, all these other characters that are uh, really important to our current situation in church. But um, but before we can get really to the Reformation itself, let's talk about background information. Let's set the stage, right? We've been talking about the medieval period, and right this period, though, we're seeing a major shift. We're seeing a shift in the attitudes and the hearts of the people. We're seeing, uh, well, the un- it really comes down to the unwillingness of the Roman Catholic Church. Remember, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about reformers within the church. They wanted to bring about change in the church. And the Roman Catholic Church, the medieval Roman Catholic Church, refused to accept reforms. You know, the mystics, the Wycliffe's, the, Hus, the leaders of the reforming councils, the humanists, the emerging non-states, they, the, 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 you know, all these things, the, the papal claim to power, all these things, uh, the rise of the middle class, all these things were, were trying to get the Roman Catholic Church to reform. They didn't want to split away. It was not originally set out to be like, let's break from the Roman Catholic Church. Even Martin Luther, who will split from the Roman Catholic Church, didn't start out that way. It wasn't like, hey, I'm sick of you guys. Let's go do something new. It was, let's reform the church. Let's change. Let's, Let's bring it back to a more biblical basis. And all these people, and the Rome, medieval Roman Catholic Church refused to change. And of course, we see this often in churches. Churches are notoriously slow to change anything. In fact, that's still the most common thing I hear at this church. Well, we used to. Um which is fantastic. We need to continue some of the things we used to do and we need to do away with some of the things we used to do. Um, 
But the church is notorious, and the Roman Catholic Church, because it had been going on so strong for so long, remember, they were the authority. They had set themselves as the emperor and, and priest. They were the authority. They were it. And so why should they change? People with power don't believe in change, especially when it's going to weaken their power. We see this often in not just church history, but, uh, um, but in all history. And so we see that, you know, the things are popping up within the church, you know, that are, you know, we talked about some of the immorality of the Roman Catholic popes and the bishops and some things that we've already talked about. We don't need to rehash all that. Um, but we do need to talk about some things that are changing in the world outside the church that are going to help lead to the necessity, the certainty of reform. The first thing is the emergence of an expanding and dynamic world. There's, there's going to be uh, global changes. Uh, by the 1500s, the foundation of the old medieval society is breaking up. There's a larger global horizon that's going to happen. Um, you know, that those re old religious patterns are going to need to go away. Um, so geographical changes. Between 1492, what happens in 1492? Columbus sells the ocean. You guys know that one, right? 1492, Columbus. Now, whether you agree with the term discovered or not, like the man and what he did or not, doesn't matter for the concept of this conversation. What happens is he did set sail and he brought into recognition a whole new world. And it was funded by the, the monarchy, absolutely. And so we have this, between 1492 and 1600, we have a whole new world that's being brought into play. Um, and so the ancient, you know, it's been said that the ancient world was um, potamic, uh, uh, coming from the word uh, patmos, which is the word for river, Greek word for river. Uh, the ancient word was river-based. You know, we think about uh, like the Tigris and the Euphrates. Think about the, your Old Testament, your New Testament. It's all about the rivers that are there. Um, the the medieval the the medieval was called th uh, thalassic, which is the Greek word for sea. Uh, well, oh, abbreviated form of it anyways but um thalassic um all about the sea well now we're in an oceanic world where the oceans become the new center for life and it's a new highway around the world i mean by the time luther translates the new testament into german in 1522 Magellan has completely voyaged around the world. I mean, think about the... I mean, we, 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 we fail to, to see how mind-boggling that really is. I mean, we're, we, so there are people out there that know the world is round. They've done mathematical proofs on this. A lot of the world thinks it's flat. But most of the knowledge, educated people know it's round. You can circle it. 
Um, it's lo- she said it's lopsided, which it is. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect globe. Um, but you can go around it, and um, you know you're not going to fall off the edge. And but by the time you know by 1517. You know, Christopher Columbus had brought a new era of, of discovery around the world. I mean, Magellan had gone around the world and by the time this happens. And so that's going, I mean, that cannot change the way people are starting to think. That can't not. I mean, think about uh, in, 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 in uh, many of your generation when the, the moon landing. How can that not change the way we think? Uh, these big events, and of course, uh, recently, you know, 9-11, big, tragic event. It changes the way we operate and think. These big, huge things, we can't help but change. And so in the church and outside the church, this is going to be something that changes the way we, we operate. Uh, so Christopher Columbus there, um, I'm not changing nothing. All right, there we go. I have no sound online. I'll, um, I can't do anything about that. Sorry, guys, online. Uh, we will uh, figure that out uh, as soon as we can. Um, Check the audio out, uh, outputs on both computers and make sure that they're going to where they're supposed to be. Okay. Um, so anyways, uh, Christopher Columbus, you know, he, he sets the, this is a, a painting by Sebastio de Piombo. I hope that's spelled right, that's said right. Um, this is the earliest known posthumous portrait of Christopher Columbus. Um, but really, what this is going to do, not only is this this discovery going to lead to, it's going to need to political change, economic change, all this societal change are going to be split in because of this new world they're discovering. Um, can we go to the next slide, please? Thank you. Um, perspective, political change. So, um, in the medieval period, the idea of, um, well, remember how the world was politically set, set up? where there was a, a, a king or an emperor and there was the lords that were, the feudal lords that were in, there were the knights and then there was the peasants and the, you know, and where you were born, there she shall stay. And, um, and, and, but the medieval concept that there was a need for a universal uh, state was giving away to this new territorial nation state. Because remember, things are starting to form that will develop into things like England and France and Germany. Uh, you know, of course, it was the Normans first, but you know, it was they—they they were giving away to a more of a a territorial 
Uh, we don't need a universal king anymore. We just we want territories to have their, our own people to have our. We're French. We're English. We're Irish. We're you know eventually you know Spain. We're we're going to be we're going to be Americans. You know that you know in the 1700s we're Americans. You know or uh, you know the you know the United these United States um, and. Uh, and so we have this um, this territorial kind of attitude that is that is pushing away the old national this whole universal state, and that influences also the church because remember when the they politically they thought we needed a universal king, we also need a universal religious leader. Well, we don't want a, reli- a universal king anymore. Do we need a universal religious leader? And so it's going to start giving rise to what will become Reformation and then into denominationalisms as, as the denominations split um, and independence was sought um, for these things. But it's, uh, so, so we have uh, political changes. We also have, uh, um, and I'm still not, thank you. Economic changes. Um, the um, the economy is starting to change. Remember, we discovered a whole new world. The world during the Middle Ages. What did most people do? They farmed. They were farmers on the feudal property that was owned by someone else. Well, now. Those farmers, the people that own the land, they're not going to be the center of attention anymore. It's going to be who owns the ships and the merchants. The merchants that are making a living on the sea, doing trade, whether it be human or spices or, um, yeah, let's be real, this, the human trade was very, will become very popular during this time period. Uh, out of uh, Arabia into Europe, and and then of course the triangle trade in the uh, in Africa will become quite popular as well, um, into to Haiti and Cuba and, and whatnot. Um, but you also have, but it's not just about slavery. It's you've got trade in spices and you know saffron. How many of you guys have tried saffron? It's a wonderful spice. I love saffron. And saffron is something that was introduced to Europe at amazing prices because you, there's like a saffron flower produces like three stems that you use and you have to pull them out at the right time and it's it's a huge process and very small, very small but one you know but it does a lot of one does a lot of stuff and so but it was brought into Europe and then people you know so people would pay. Amazing prices for saffron and, and sugar. And we take for granted that everything we eat has sugar in it. Everything. Um, that's why we all have type 2 diabetes. <laughs> um, but, um, but sugar. And, uh, and, and, and of course, alcohols, you know, sugar cane, we brought in rum and. Um, you know, and, and new spices, new plants, new, and so you have this, you know, silk brought in from China, 
Um, you know, this is an amazing kind of change in the way the economy is working. From agricultural-based society to now a merchant trade-based society. And so it totally upends the, the, the church, uh, the, the, the thing. And it's, it's, so the noble feudal lord is not in, in head. It's going to be, it's not until the industrial revolution, which happens uh, 1750-ish, uh, kind of happens different times, different places. Uh, but in 1750, when the Industrial Revolution, of course, the Industrial Revolution was set up to happen by this change into mer uh, mercantilism because they go from mercantilism, merchants, I'm sorry, I'm using big words, merchant-based, um, and as they, decide, well, then they're going to get a hold of the production, and that leads to the Industrial Revolution. And, um, and so we're going to see this huge change in the, the way that money's made and who has the power. And, of course, that's going to influence the church because they were getting it from the, the people, the taxes, the, um, the leadership, the, you know, in Rome. Um, they're going to lose all this influence because now it's going out around the world by traders who may or may not be Christian, who may or may not pay their tithe to the, the Roman Catholic Church. Who, and so we're having like this huge change in the economy. Um, social change. The um, in... The medieval period, where you were born, that's where you were going to stay. You were born a, pe a peasant, you were going to stay a peasant. There was no moving up for you. You were going to become a knight. You, know, you were born into knighthood, you were going to, you know, that you were going to stay there. You know, you were born a lord. <laughs> you, there was no moving up and down. Um, with the, the economy changing, with the politics changing with society changing now you actually might go from lower class working on a, a get on a ship and work your way up where you buy a ship you can now move from lower class to maybe even middle class or even higher upper class so you can actually begin to move up in society um, you know it's one thing we don't talk about a lot here in our society is how, pe how much people move up and down in our social class. We take for granted that you can move up and down. Um, actually, there have been studies done that, uh, uh, you know, we like say like, well, this, this amount of people are poor. Well, there's been study done that only 8% of the Poor people stay poor throughout their life. There, there's a fluctuation. They might rise up to middle class. They might even rise up to upper class, depending on they might sell a house or whatnot. And they rise up for one year and then they go back down. But we just look at numbers when we do a lot of these statistics, and we forget that people go up and down as they through these these classes.
uh, main concern for today. Um, yeah, you know, but we're still seeing, even today, we still see a lot of people go back and forth, up and down in society. Like I said, very few people stay poor all their lives. Now, that number of poor may stay the same, but people tend to move up and down on this. It's very, you know, as you become more educated, obviously, when you first start out, you're, <laughs> you're eating ramen noodles for nothing. <laughs> Um, because that's what you get, you know, and you're lucky you have a house and then you, you know, but then you move up and then, the, but there's more people that come in. And of course there's that gap that, you know, that we, we complain about the gap of, and we can get into, uh, economics, uh, here. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, I recommend reading a lot of stuff by Thomas, Thomas Sowell. I love Thomas Sowell. Um, he, he's a, he's a great author. Uh, his civil rights book is fantastic. Uh, um, Reality or rhetoric, his uh, his economics, his white liber- uh, white liberals and black rednecks is fantastic. You know, I like Thomas Sowell. So, um, don't be afraid to push yourself and challenge yourself to reading something harder. <laughs> I know those uh, romance novels are fun, but <laughs> for me, it's lit RPG. I love lit RPGs. I'm gonna go out there and say that. Most of you guys have never heard of a lit RPG. It's a literary RPG. It's like a role-playing game, but written out as a book. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, but you can't just read that kind of stuff. You've got to read harder stuff, too. Push yourself. Um, all right, so we have social changes. We also have intellectual changes. Um, Anna... We didn't get it this time. Um, intellectual changes. Um, changes, um, well, we talked about the Renaissance. I know we did. Which brings in North, South, Alps. They kind of create this new intellectual outlook on life. And, um, and it's going to, this new, outlook on life is going to favor Protestantism. It's not going to favor the Roman Catholic uh, Church. Uh, there's a desire, uh, for example, there's a desire to return um, to the past that leads Christian humanists to want to study the Bible in its original language, which had been something that, that had been forgotten. Uh, they were studying it in Latin and they were never leaving the Latin. They, f- they didn't study uh, the Greek and the Hebrew and um, and so there's this renewed desire to read it in the Greek and the Hebrew. Well, guess what? As they read it in the Greek and the Hebrew, they say, wait a second, what I read here is not what I'm seeing here. And so we see that. And of course, we still have those kind of problems. I, I have those kind of problems all the time. And uh, you might, sometimes I snipe to people, not in pulpit, but sometimes. <laughs> it's like, that's not what the Bible says. Let's look at that Greek word. Um, this is what the Greek word says, and that's uh, that's actually why I'm taking Hebrew and Greek and, and and stuff because you know you, as you see these things, you see like, well, that's not you know, you know what Grandma taught me. She would was taught by someone else who, who knew you know, King James English and never had gone back to the original, and and so you're like, well, those Grandma isms were. I love Grandma, but they may not have been the best theology. 
<laughs> uh, but, you know, and we have those kind of things that pop up in our lives, and so we, we see those things, and, and, but it's, it, it's happening so much at this point because there's so many things that they're like, wait, this is what the Bible says because they had forgotten about going back to the original. And so, they, they, so there's so much, so that starts to build up, right? One or two things, you're like, eh, should we worship on Saturday or Friday night versus uh, Sunday morning? You know, we let that slide, right? You know, the Bible never says we should switch it till Sunday. But, you know, we let that slide. That's tradition. We're okay with it. You know, it's like, well, you know. Uh, but then you get this one and this one and this one. You start to build up. Well, then all of a sudden you have this this dam ready to break. And uh, and so, you know, things that are going to lead to things like the indulgences that we'll talk about here in a minute uh, are going to, you know, be ready to break. And... Uh, and um, and so, so they have this, this intellectual changes going on. The, the Renaissance has more of a focus on individuals instead of collected groups. So you start seeing this, this development, where, you know, because Protestants are very much that salvation is a personal matter to be settled by the individual in, immediately with God, not through a priest. Um, you don't need a, a human mediator because it's just you and God, and 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 so you have this. This comes out of the Renaissance way of thinking. This this more individualistic way of thinking um, that was before. It was like, well, you need the community to speak to God. You need the the priest to come between, and and um, and so we start saying, well, why? Why do I need a priest to stand between? Because. It's about me. I'm the one speaking to God. I'm the, so we have this more individualistic way of thinking that comes out of this Renaissance period that starts to open the doors for, for, uh, away from the Roman Catholic Church. And, uh, and so we, we see that. We see... Uh, um, you know, and so we see all these different uh, ways of changing the way we think. And, you know, as I look back on history, I think, well, wasn't it about time? You know, a thousand years they've been thinking the same way. We, you know, we changed the way we think. Uh, as the church, I'm going to say as a church we're in the modern period. But philosophically, we're in the postmodern or even the post-postmodern period. Philosophically, because the church is not caught up with the rest of the world yet. Uh with with the way it's thinking in um, with, with the way it thinks, and so we're we're so we're seeing an intellectual change that happens, and so it influences the church and the way we believe. Uh, next one, ah, religious change, religious change. Um, as early in the well. If there's no longer one great religious leader, then do we need one great way of thinking? Can we have multiple ways of thinking at the same? You're going to start seeing religious diversity start to come up. Um, you know, in before 1054, there was just the Roman Catholic Church, the, the Catholic Church. It wasn't even the Roman Catholic, it was Catholic Church. And then 1054, 54, we already talked about it. What happened? 1054, does anyone remember? I know you guys wrote down notes and are taking for the test. <laughs> um, think Billy. 
the Greek. That's right. That's the, we had the split between the Greek and the it, Latin, the Greek Orthodox and Latin, 1054. So we really had this open, this schism that will allow that, hey, maybe there doesn't have to be just one way of thinking. And this is going to begin to to open the way, though it's not until after 1648 that denominations are free to emerge. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about denominationalisms eventually. We'll get through the Reformation first, but then we'll get to denominations. Um, but, um, we'll, but we'll start seeing that. And so we'll see um, that... Uh, that people are, and they're going to come in contact with new religions, and and religion's going to be used to subdue an entire people group, the the native, the First Nations. I don't like Native American anymore. I've decided I don't like that, um, because at what point do you become native? I was born here. My family was born here. I've been here. My generation has been here for ten years. At what point do we become native? Uh, so I like First Nations better. That's the way they do it in Canada. First Nations, because they were the first people that set up nations on this continent. I like that better. So I'm, I'm taking my stand saying I like First Nations better. Um, but they subdued um, an entire people group, you know, using, uh, in many cases, using religion. And how they would, instead of being about religion, they would say it's for Christ, but then they would take away their language, take away their, and they were doing it on purpose to subdue them. And it was being used, religion was being used very wrong. And that does come out of the Middle Ages because that's how they were dealt with. They were dealing with their enemies before. The barbarians, which, uh, I don't really care for the term barbarians. You know where the term barbarian comes from? It comes from the idea that when someone else speaks another language, it just sounds like bar, 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 bar to you. <laughs> and so I started calling them the barbarians. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we might say blah, blah, blah. It was bar, 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 bar. Um, and so it just comes, uh, so it is the barbarians. Uh, I'm not thrilled with that terminology, but it's what we have. Um, but uh, yeah, so we see like there's, there, and so religions, but we're going to see religion changes start happening when the denominationalism will come up and, and uh, people getting tired, we're going to see more, well, we'll call them heretical groups. Um, and they, for the most part, a lot of things they teach are very heretical, but you're going to see more of these groups start to pop up. And we're skipping most of those because... They don't have much dealings with us. But they're going to start popping up more and more and more because people are trying to, separate, trying to reform and then separate from the Roman Catholic Church. Um, so, and so, yeah, so we, we have some religious changes. Um, yeah, we don't need to talk about that. So that, those changes help lead. So, so let's talk about what causes the Reformation. Now, you guys have a piece of paper. Uh, Anna. <laughs> Thank you. Looks something like that. Now, what you're seeing on this piece of paper is um, 
a, a map of sort, timeline maybe. Um, I got this out of a church history book. Uh, it's, it's, um, uh, of, um, yeah. um, but anyways, uh, this is a map of kind of where the thought and uh, the changes start to come that will lead us to the splits and divides in Reformation period um, as we are in the, um, the Latin period, um, intellectual changes, and then the Teutonic, which will be like Germany, uh, will become the, uh, the barbarian. And that's going to lead into reforms and, 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 and whatnot, different reformations. So we're going to talk more about a lot of these things as we come to them. So you're going to see a lot of these things come up in the time periods that we get, like um, the Reformation, the Calendar Reformation, the Jesuits. We're going to spend some time on the Jesuits. Um, but if you look out of the, the middle class is where the Reformation really comes from. Remember how important I talked said about the middle class, the rise of a middle class. Instead of just having lords and servants, you have a middle class. And how much that has changed the world. It's out of the middle class that the Reformation will come. As we see there on there, the state churches, Lutheran, the Reformed, the Anglicans, uh, the Mennonites, Baptists, Amish, all these people are going to come out of the middle class and uh, out of the Reformation period. So um, we're going to see a lot of that. So um, we're also going to notice... Um, Actually, I just want to point it out that um, the states that accept Protestantism during the Reformation are going to be the ones that are outside of the orbit of the old. And you can see a lot of that on there. Um, they're the ones that are going to be outside of the orbit of the Roman Catholic Empire. And the um, it's going to be... The middle class is going to be—it's going to be different from the Latin nations. The Latin nations are going to stay very much uh, Roman Catholic, but um, the ones that are going to accept reform are going to be outside of that power structure. Um, places like Spain are actually going to be very resistant to change because the Roman Catholic stru power structure is very strong in Spain because they have been fighting the Muslims for so long, and they also had the Spanish Inquisition which got rid of anyone who didn't agree. <laughs> um, but places like France um, and England and, uh, and Germany uh, don't have a strong, as strong of a, a Latin uh, uh, emphasis there. They don't have a, such a strong uh, Roman Catholic emphasis there. So they're going to come around there and, uh, and, and, and change. Um, and as, you know, people come into uh, the, the, so we're going to see a political, uh, uh, you know, so politics are going to be very much in, involved. Um, land is going to be an issue. Land is always an issue. Um, the land possessed by the Roman church, Roman Catholic church in Western Europe is going to begin, well, people are going to start getting greedy for that land. And if the Roman Catholic Church can't hang on to it by power anymore, 
because they don't control an army anymore, then why should it be left as Roman Catholic? <laughs> and people are going to take it. Um, they're going to take it, uh, noble rulers, middle class, new nation states. Um, they're going to tr- accept um, the Protestant Reformation more readily so, so they can get the hold of the land. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and, and it's set up by, you know, the, the abuse of the, the indulgence system is, is going to be a big play in that. Um, what time is it? Okay. Uh, let's, we've already talked about most of this. Let's talk about that indulgence system real quick. Um, I don't know what slides I have available. I don't have any slides available right now, apparently. There we go. There's the slide I'm looking for right there. Uh, indulgences. What is an indulgence? What? It's paying. Yeah, an indulgence. Um, well, let's go back. All right. Now I put some of these names in the app on the notes section. If you want to, if you want to look at those, they're in the app. Um, Archbishop Albert. Uh, he was uh, around 1490 to 1545. He's the prince of the house of, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce this. Um, Hohenzollern. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't have to spell that one. Um, he controlled two provinces of the Roman church. Now, he will cast his eyes on a vacancy that he wants to become the Archbishop of uh, Mainz in 1514. And because he was only about 23, you know, he's really shooting for some power here. He wants to become Archbishop of another. He's already got two under his belt. He wants to become Archbishop of a third um, place. Um, makes you wonder if this is really about God or more so about authority and power. Um, I think one church is more than enough for me. can't imagine being Archbishop of multiple places. Um, but um, in, uh, well, he's only 23. Canonical law forbade one man to hold more than one office. So he has to pay Pope Leo X the dispensation necessary for him to fulfill another office. So basically he has to buy the office, you know, from God, obviously. I'm sorry, I'm being sarcastic. Um uh, now he wants to be the Archbishop of Mainz. Uh, Mainz. Uh, Pope Leo has a, uh, an issue where he wants more money. Um, he wants to build uh, what will become St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome, a very expensive cathedral in Rome, and he wants to build that. And so he's uh, he's looking for more money. So he says, well, you can become Archbishop of Mons if you're willing to pay enough money to the Pope um, so that I can continue my building project. And um, so well, uh, he doesn't have that much money right off the hand, so he um, 
So he borrows a, a lot of money from a wealthy family, the Fugger family. Uh, they're a baking family in Osberg. And um, in order to pay back his loan, a papal bull authorizing the sale of indulgency in Saxony was granted, um, guaranteeing that he would repay his loan to the Fuggers, and Leo gets half the money, and the other half went to repay the Fuggers. So not only is Leo getting the initial loan, he's getting half of what indulgences he sells, and the other half goes to the Fuggers to pay back the loan. So Pope Leo X is getting making out like a bandit here. Um, now, the indulgences were, um, you know, so he was using this to use the sale of indulgences. Now, indulgences were associated with the sacrament of penance. After one repented of sin and confessed it, one was assured of absolution by a priest and provided, and, uh, provided sanctification was made. So you had to do something. That's why you see to be like, Pray, uh, say ten off our fathers, or or light twelve candles, or or you know whatever it happens to be. Say they are mother and our father, and the, you know uh, whatever the the thing was. Well, it, it began to be uh, drop this much money in the coffer, uh, and we'll we'll you'll be absolute of your sin. Um, and it was thought that guilty of sin. And eternal punishment of sin were forgiven by God, but there was a temporal satisfaction that had to be made. So God forgave the sin in heaven, but there's a temporal, there's an earthly satisfaction for the repentance must fulfill, uh, either now or in purgatory. Because the idea of purgatory. So, satisfaction, the temporal, the earthly now or in purgatory, could be bought off with this idea of an indulgence, which was the idea that you got, you paid so much money, or you did this certain thing, it could be fighting the Crusades, or give this much money, and you would buy off sins from your time in purgatory. Um, now, um, the church has since rejected this teaching and, and, and it's not part of their teaching and stuff like that, but it, it was very much in practice in Germany at this time. Um, um, and so, so it began formulated the, during the 13th century, uh, Alexander of Hales, that, uh, and Clement the Sixth declared it to be dogma in 1343 and later a papal bull of Sictus IV in 1476 extended this privilege to the souls of pur purgatory. So you could also not only buy your way out of purgatory, but you could start buying your relative's way out of purgatory too. Um, so... Well, why wouldn't you? Do you mean you don't care about your grandma? You don't want her in in purgatory any longer than she has to. And at first, it started out like it wasn't this horrible thing. This thing, it develops into this greedy affirmation and guilt and 
over time. Nothing happens just overnight, you know, where you, you wake up and you're, you, but you wake up and you're in a pyramid scheme. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we have this, this, this develop over time that it began to become a system to raise money and it became really abused. Really abused. And so, um, and Albert's main uh, uh, seller of indulgences, uh, this is a picture of John uh, Tinzel, uh, Tetzel. Um, he was paid nearly, nearly $1,100 a month plus expenses to, expel, to, to sell indulgences, which was a lot of money at the time. Um, a lot of money. Um, and uh, so he was, he was set there, and it was, and he was a Dominican monk, and, uh, and, uh, and it was to, to pay off the stuff, and he used high-pressure sales methods to step up sales whenever things were down so they could make more money, um, promised remission of temporal punishment for even the gravest of sins. You murder someone, yeah, you can buy your way out of heaven for the, uh, a purgatory for that, um, uh, sex, sex was a big one. Um, buy your way out of you know sexual indulgences, um, so you can you know uh, it's okay if you have sex with with that person or that person or, or 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 even rape. You can get away with you know as long as you, you know God will forgive you, absolution from the print, and you have to buy your way out of it. And so um, and then and so the amount charged was determined by. The amount of wealth that the person happened to have, and their social position. So, if you were a wealthy person, you got charged a lot more because you could afford more. And and uh, and if you were more, you so you were poor, you got charged less because you couldn't afford it anyways. Uh, they wanted to keep you coming back. You know, they wanted to keep you coming back. You know, a, a penny is better than no pennies. Um, and so they would, so, but they were, they would, indulgence would be, um, you know, they might even give it free to the destitute um, to keep them coming back. And, or they would give them no money involved, but then you have to do the certain task, like join the crusades or, or, or help build the cathedral or, you know, you, you know, there would be tasks involved. Um, but King might pay more than $300 for his indulgence. Um, and uh, when Luther, we'll talk about this uh, probably next week, but when Luther posts his 95 thesis against the, uh, the it's largely against this, the abuse of indulgences that, uh, that has begun to be spread all over Germany. Um, and northern western Europe, and so it's this this abuse that it's going to really lead uh, to the 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 desire for the 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 Reformation, because as I was talking about changes and and, and what causes of the Reformation, uh, people are going to start seeing, you know, they're going back to the Hebrew and the Greek now. They're going to start seeing the things like this are not in the scriptures. You can't say that it's there. And so they're going to start saying, well, why is this? And so people like, like Luther, who's going to come around and say, by faith alone, because he started to read the scriptures 
in their Greek, in the Greek, and the, and say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about this. And so we're seeing this this huge so all these changes that are happening real fast. Well, two hundred years is fast in history. <laughs> as far as history goes, that's fast. It's real fast. It's real quick. Uh, these changes happening that are changing the world, and um, and so it's going to uh, is uh, you know philosophy is changing, economics changing, and so we're going to see this all come together in a head that's going to meet. Uh, we 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 pin it uh, though it it doesn't. We pin it at f- uh, f- fifteen seventeen because that's uh, the date Martin Luther. Uh, pins his, his 95 thesis even though that's not really like the date of the reformation that's this is when we pin it we have to give it a date <laughs> uh, but these things happen organically they don't happen just like you know at 1517 he just wants to reform the catholic church it's not till later on in his life that he doesn't uh, we will talk about that uh, next week we'll talk about luther and the german reformation next week um, i think we're going to be done for today we got eight minutes left. Any questions, comments, concerns? I have a question about the Jesuits. Yeah, we'll get to them a little. The Catholic Church, today? Uh, the, Catholic Church the Jesuits uh, are largely still part of the Catholic the Roman Catholic Church, though they are. The Jesuits became the missionary branch of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, and they still really are considered that today. Um, that's why you have Jesuit hospitals and Jesuit schools and Jesuit uh, because they become the missionary branch. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and pray, and we will be done for today. And then we'll talk about that wonderful Luther Reformation next week. And I'll probably give you a copy of the. 95 theses. Uh, it's a good read. Uh, anyways, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we praise you today. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful blessings. Lord, we just ask that you just speak to our hearts and listen uh, as we listen to you, Lord. We pray that uh, we may draw closer to you as, a, as individuals, as, as a community, Lord. We pray that you may be with each situation that, uh, that arises, that we may put you first. And do what is best for uh, your community as we, we seek to just love one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.